0: As therapists, our role is often to help our clients see, be curious about, and evolve their relationship with themselves and their relationship to others. In today's episodes, I want to talk about what I think is one of the most important relationships in our client's therapy work, and that is our client's relationship with their own imagination. And your ability as their therapist to help them develop their relationship with their imagination is highly dependent on your relationship with your imagination. Let's discuss. Greetings, colleagues and friends. Cambria Evans here, the teaching and learning EMDR consultant. Y'all, today I am here to defend (laughs) the importance of imagination. And today's podcast episode really is inspired by many, many consultation groups that I've had with my EMDR consultees, where I have been told... That in other trainings or from other mentors, that it is not okay to go into imagination during phase four processing, that it is not okay to develop imagined resources in phase two. And I am here to say that I agree with that. And I want to hopefully convince y'all about why imagination is so damn important by the end of this episode. So I'm challenging myself to convince everybody to um, at least open up your minds and hearts to consider another perspective. So let's talk about it. Why is imagination so important? I'm going to start with a quote from somebody who is way smarter than me. (laughs) Albert Einstein. He liked to talk about imagination quite a bit, actually. I imagine he was a pretty cool guy. Uh, and I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to know him personally, but he has a quote that I love so very much that I wanted to share with you, which is, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. How beautiful is that? He also goes on to say that imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions. (laughs) I completely agree with this. And you probably do too, right? It, It makes sense. But why is this so important in the therapeutic relationship? Why is this so important when we are doing the eight phases of EMDR? Let's talk about it. Let's start with phase one, right? Here in Phase one, with history and assessment, we are often taught to understand on some kind of a timeline, uh, maybe you were taught to gather all of you know the traumatic events that happened to someone. Maybe you were taught to do that, but also collect all of the positive events that happened to someone. And what I like to do in Phase one is I like to understand my client's relationship with their imagination because I want to know, what we're working with here, right? I want to know if in childhood, they decided that imagination was the only safe place they had to go. And that maybe our clinical term of dissociation and going into a fantasy world was their way to escape some really horrible stuff. And maybe their imagination has saved them and protected them. And I want to understand that from the beginning, because that's going to inform what we do in phase two, what happens in phase four, and ultimately it's going to inform what is possible for us to imagine together when it comes to our treatment goals, right? So, so important. On the flip side of that, in phase one, I might have a client coming in, most of my clients have complex or relational trauma I want to understand in childhood, right, or when the trauma was happening, was a survival coping strategy or something that felt adaptive for that situation back then, was it to actually turn off imagination? Was imagining dangerous or painful? And was it more important to stay hypervigilant and stay present with what was happening around them? And was imagination then decided to be a place that was childlike or distracting, right? As kids and adults, we make all these choices about our relationship with so many things, right? With power, with safety, with control, with enoughness. These are literally the the foundations and structures of our negative cognition and positive cognition bucket right? And what I think for me with my clients working with this population of complex and relational trauma is I want to understand their relationship with their imagination. Is it a positive place? Is it a safe place? Is it a resource for us? Or has it been written off? And once I understand this, as we go into phase two, I want to transparently and assertively have a conversation with my client and tell them, you know, I noticed something. I noticed listening to you. It sounds like you decided as a kid that your imagination was a helpful, safe place for you, that your imaginary friends were actually protective figures for you and nurturing figures for you. Am I understanding? And then the client gets to actually articulate their relationship with imagination, with me. Or on the flip side of that, I might say to the client something like, you know, it sounds like when you were growing up, your imagination was almost like an unsafe place to go, that you decided that being hypervigilant in the present was more important for your safety and, and survival. Am I understanding that right? Yes, that's exactly how it felt. Okay, so with that being true, how would you describe your relationship with your imagination now? Because I want us to both be on the same page about where you are and what you want, right? I've had some clients, after we've noticed their relationship with imagination, directly say to me, I don't want to have a relationship with my imagination." Moving forward, I don't want imagined figures in my phase two resourcing. I don't want that. I am client centered. Y'all know this. I hope you are too. I never force anyone to develop treatment goals that they don't want to have. I just want us to notice together. Right. And then I like to ask my question this question to my clients, which is okay, you have your relationship with imagination. We understand how those things were decided. We understand what the relationship is now. And we understand what you want moving forward. How are we going to call on your imagination to develop our treatment goals? Because what we're creating together with EMDR therapy is we are being called on to imagine right, what you want your life to be like, whether that's, in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with others, we are being called on to imagine something that does not yet exist. And that is a conversation I have with my clients before phase two resourcing. This is one of the core parts of my phase one assessment and history taking. I would invite you to consider incorporating this into your phase one history-taking assessment. Because with some clients, to me, this feels even more important than me capturing in some kind of detail every traumatic event. Right? We can oftentimes fill in a lot of traumatic events if we understand what has been decided because of them. Right? And oftentimes, what has been decided because of trauma is... More helpful to us as clinicians when figuring out how to navigate through phase two and three and four. Right? Beautiful. So we've decided, we've we've said there is this relationship that clients have with their imagination. And like every relationship, there have been experiences and decisions along the way, and a narrative has been creative, created about if that relationship is positive, feels good, or does not feel good. Beautiful. So, how does that then inform phases two, three, and four? Well, I don't know if y'all have seen this in processing yet, but it's pretty incredible. You know, (laughs) when I had my twins um, almost six years ago, I made a choice that I was not going to work with young kids anymore because it just felt like it was too close to my kids' ages. It was just, there was just too much kind of um, generalizing or projection or my own anxiety. Like I just decided I'm going to work with adults until my kids are older. I just, I I can't have kids at home and kids in my office. It's too much for me. Okay. And what I failed to realize is that even when we work with adults in their grown bodies, in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond, I think my oldest client was in our 70s, even when we work with adults, we are always working with kids, aren't we? We are always working with younger parts. And how do we know this is true, right? We all have younger parts of us. They, they're they always there, right? For most of us, hopefully they're integrated, right? And we have a sense of them and a relationship with them, right? For some of us, they feel fragmented. We're not conscious of them. They're not integrated. So we we work with adults, but we are always working with kids. And when we sign up as an EMDR therapist to work with complex trauma, relational trauma from childhood, we are essentially signing on to be not just an adult therapist, but also a child therapist. Because in order to do this work, we need to connect with these younger parts and we need to have these reparative experiences with them where something happens that didn't happen before, couldn't happen before, should have happened before, right? It gets to happen now, which is so beautiful. And and I was laughing kind of to myself as I realized this, when I changed my practice, I was saying, oh, I, I still have kids coming, right? I still have kids coming in and, and that's okay. I'm gonna show up, nurture them. I'm gonna give them the resources they need. To be seen, to be loved, to be understood, to feel soothed and calm and integrated now, right? And for those of you who have clients with complex and relational trauma who have gone back to their touchstone memories in childhood, I'm imagining you have seen this, right? And it's just, it's the coolest thing. The first time it happens, I think it's pretty disorienting for everybody, (laughs) <laughs> but then the second or third or fourth time it happens, you kind of know what it is and it's pretty cool. And now I've seen this happen enough that I'm almost kind of like waiting for it when I do phase four processing uh with an adult client. And I'll I'll tell you what it is. Maybe you've seen it too. So we're in phase four, we're processing a target, it's in childhood, and the and the mind starts to go into something that isn't quote, I'm using air quotes here, real, right? I can give you some examples. I've had clients while processing go into cartoons they used to watch as a kid, where where the cartoon is like now the narrative of what they're processing. I've had uh, adults while processing in phase four childhood memories go into like comic books they used to read as a kid or go into, um, you know, like... Have their old stuffed animals come in and like say things to them, like just all sorts of really imaginative, magical situations. And I've been a consultant for consultees who have said to me, I had a client processing a childhood memory and she started to go into this dissociative state where she was talking about trees in a garden. And I stopped the consultee and I said, How do you know? How do you know that was dissociation? And what would it be possible to to consider that we are going into childhood narratives that we are supposed to be going into with the space for Target? Because it was so young when these things happened, right? This client was three or two or four or six or seven. Why wouldn't we assume we should go into these places because the mind of a child is so imaginative right and so now when i see these things happening i don't think we're dissociating here i think oh we're going young we're going young we're going we're going back into what it felt like to watch these cartoons. We're going back into what it felt like to use these characters in this kid's life to make a narrative of what's going on. This is how a child's mind understands what is happening to them, right? And part of processing in an adult body now is this invitation to go into the imagination and narratives that a child's mind creates. That's it. That's it. And it is fascinating to me now as a mom with five and a half year old twins to see how their imaginations have such a power in their lives for good or for bad, right? I, I see them going to... um TV shows and cartoons and play, playing different characters to try on different negative beliefs, different positive beliefs, right? Different capabilities, different challenges. They're they're practicing. They're trying it all on. It's just like playing dress up with beliefs. This is literally what my kids do all day, every day. And I love watching this, right? And what's so amazing to me is that my one of my kids can have a dream, which is the brain processing something, right? They can have a dream at night, and maybe it's a good dream or a bad dream, right? They've made a judgment about that. Is it a good dream or a bad dream, okay? And I see how these dreams my kids have are now a lived experience for them, right? These dreams my kids have, which are so wild and so colorful, like just beyond what I can can dream at this point at 41. They are so imaginative and their brain is making sense of something. So as their mom, I have zero judgment about how their brain has pieced together information that their brain is trying to figure out. Right? I just noticed that this is the narrative that's helping them figure something out. And there might be an NC based in there. Or there might be a PC based in there, right? Oftentimes, our positive dreams have positive cognitions, right? I am safe. I am lovable. I have what I need. I'm capable. Whereas nightmares, right, are our brain's narrative in negative cognitions of I'm not safe. I don't have what I need. I'm alone. I'm not good enough. Right, I am shameful. So here we have these little creatures, my little my little kids, having these colorful, imaginative dreams, helping them make narratives and figure out and try on PCs and NCs. Right. And they're doing the same thing in the daytime in play. So noticing that kids do this most of the time in childhood, right? It would make a lot of sense that when we have an adult processing in phase four in our office, that we're going to go into some stuff that we don't understand. We're going to go into some stuff that might look like dissociation. It might look like we're completely off target. But I want to invite you to think about your client's relationship with their imagination. Because there was a point, even if they have decided, right, that's not something they're interested in as an adult now. I don't want to have phase two resources that are an imagined fairy godmother. Okay, no problem, right? Even if that's their jam now, you might see in phase four their relationship as in, in their childhood mind. And I want to invite you to think about maybe that's where we're supposed to go to process this target, right? Integrating that childhood narrative with our adult narrative now, right? And what's interesting is that after we process a target from childhood, it oftentimes, not always, but it oftentimes can actually change the client's relationship with their imagination. I had a client processing something from when he was really young, like four, three or four, and his mind went into this um, cartoon he used to watch. And at the end of the target, he said to me, that was wild. Like that whole that whole part right there where we did that, like we're in that scene, like what was that, Cambria? And I And I explained to him what I thought was going on, right? That we were going into these childhood neural networks just like we were supposed to, to reprocess them. And this is often how kids put things together. They use what's around them to make sense of their experience. Of course, they would use cartoons or stuffed animals or fantasy or play. And I could see him have an appreciation for his younger self and that ability to create that narrative that we could later find now that he's in his 50s. And I could see him have almost like a respect, a respect for his imagination that it felt helpful in this process of EMDR. Right. And so I oftentimes with my clients will circle back with them. Not always, but sometimes I'll circle back when I have these kinds of moments after a target's completed to redefine, not just the narrative, the new narrative, right? But to redefine the relationship. Okay. Our clients are doing this all the time. I'm redefining and are updating the narrative with my relationship with mom. She wasn't that great, actually. I, I needed her to be great. But now that I'm an adult, I can say it. She wasn't that great right, or redefining their relationship with themselves, right, I grew up thinking that I wasn't good enough, and now my narrative is I am, and I always was, and so as we're redefining and rewriting these narratives with other people, with ourselves, we are also, right, rewriting our relationships with imagination, with power, with safety, Right. These are these are all the NCPC categories. And when we finish a target, it is a resource, right? It is a experience of I am capable, I finished a target. And now I can do that again if I need to. It is a resource for me. Right. And when we redefine someone's relationship with their imagination, because we've processed a childhood target where that theme came up or came in, it gives us an opportunity to help them redefine how they might use their imagination in the future now that there is a new respect and appreciation for it. And what a powerful gift, right? What a powerful gift to know that Albert Einstein, of all people, thought imagination was more important than knowledge, right? Clients come into EMDR therapy and they say, I want to, understand what happened and they want to, that's important. And what we give people moving forward, it might be knowledge, but to give them a different relationship with their imagination is a gift that keeps on giving, right? It keeps on giving. And now if you are a clinician listening to this and this is making sense to you and you're excited to try this out, I'm so happy to hear that. And I want to invite you to do something for you. I want to invite you to think about your own relationship with your imagination. And I'm not just talking about in your own EMDR therapy as a client, right? I'm not just talking about how you might be curious about your connection with imagination and what was decided in childhood. Is it a resource? Is it something that's been cut off from you because it wasn't available to you because it couldn't be because it wasn't safe enough whatever the, whatever the relationship is clinically right explore that but here's the invitation albert einstein right told us that our imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions what we imagine as clinicians now what we um Hope for, dream for, for ourselves, with our with our businesses, with our clients, right? All of that comes from this life force of our imagination, which helps us understand that we really are in some ways limited as therapists, to our clients, if we have not checked in about our own relationship with our imagination. Right. And (laughs) if we are only around people, colleagues, right, peers, if we are around people who also have a limited relationship with their imagination, it will stunt what is possible for us. Right. It became painfully clear to me that. The purpose of me going into uh, consultation groups clinically was to learn knowledge. And what is so different about my investment and participation in my business coaching groups is that I want to be with people who have got so much imagination and hope about what is possible. And yes, there is knowledge, right, in practice building and thinking outside the box. There's tons of knowledge there. But what has been most profound for me as a business owner, especially the last couple of years, as I've developed passive income, as I've created a consultation business that is just as lucrative as my clinical business where I only do EMDR intensives, what's become so clear to me is that what I am investing in, what I'm paying for in these business coaching groups, right, is I am literally borrowing the life force of someone else's imagination. I'm, I'm getting to witness, right? The preview of their coming attractions, right? I get to see it unfold. I get to borrow their neural networks. I get to borrow their narratives that I don't have yet. Is this possible? Yes, it is. I've done it. Or yes, it is. I'm doing it. There is something powerful about imagination, but imagination is contagious. And when we can actually see someone's imagination manifesting into actual results, it enlivens us and gives us courage to trust our imagination, to trust our hopes and dreams. And I'm telling you this just as a clinician, but also as as a business owner, right? That both are equally important. So if this is feeling in service to you clinically, I'm so glad. If this is feeling in service personally to you, I'm even happier. And if this is getting you thinking about your relationship with your imagination and your business, I would invite you to check out the consultation program. Uh, It is an eight-month program we offer here at Zero Disturbance. We only have one cohort every year. We are currently taking applications for our September 2022 cohort. Enrollment will end July 30th. And it is a place where we are together learning clinically, creatively, putting on our clinical reasoning brain, but also equally giving attention to our businesses out-of-the-box services like EMR Intensives, Passive Income, so many fantastic births of people's businesses and growth it's it's just it's contagious so I would encourage you if that feels in service to you to check it out and apply I would love to support you there and in the meantime y'all until we're together again I am wishing you health I'm wishing you safety and I am rooting for your success take care